We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jace, we're reacting to the 2021 NBA draft. The Bulls did not have their first round pick that was sent to the Orlando Magic in the Nikola Vucevic trade. The Magic selecting Franz Wagner, a forward from Michigan, with that pick. But the Bulls did make one selection at number 38 overall. It took a hometown kid who me and you both know very well, Io DeSumo from the University of Illinois. Uh, what was your reaction, Jason, as a U of I grad when you heard the Bulls announce Io's name? Uh, I mean, thought it was pretty cool. I mean, obviously, like leading up to that pick, like everyone on Twitter was just like, was I've, a lot of people that I follow, including you, I know, was like, is Sharif Cooper going to fall? Is Sharif Cooper going to fall? I was, I had my eyes on him as well. But then obviously, Io as well. I mean, both those guys, uh, I think Jared Butler is another guy, like a lot possible first round talents there. So I'm like curious, like waiting to see if either of the, any of those guys were going to get picked. And they kept going, they kept going. So I was like, I literally tweeted, I think, right as the pick was leaked. I like, you know, like all these smart people who I follow say the Bulls should take like Cooper. Like, I'd love to see Io go to the Bulls. It'd be awesome. I'm an Illinois guy. It'd be sweet. But it seems like the Bulls should probably take Cooper. And then they take, and then the picks leak. It's Io. So like, I mean, just as an Illinois guy, obviously it's super cool. It's awesome. I've followed his entire career. I watched Illinois basketball re- religiously. So like seeing him grow as a player there and now seeing him drafted by the Bulls for the second round pick after I didn't think they'd have any chance at him I thought maybe if they if they were going to get him they'd have to trade up to get him so to get him at 38 seems like pretty good value uh he was obviously stone cold killer in the clutch at Illinois so many big shots fearless his college career didn't end very well he was really bad probably the worst game of his of his uh junior season was against Loyola it was rough but like I mean so many big games uh like I said fearless super clutch does a lot of things well I don't know if like I know, like I said, you'll talk about Sharif a bit more, I'm sure. But I know that Sharif might be the upside pick because of this playmaking and all that stuff. But, I mean, Iowa's just a really solid player. Does a lot of things well. Uh, I know AK talked about him, got the chip on his shoulder. 
all that all that good stuff. Very motivated to do, to do well and playing in his hometown will be really cool for him. The reaction seeing him there at that party, Chance the Rapper was there at the party with him. They were obviously him and his friends and family were all super excited to go to the Bulls. So, yeah, as an Illinois guy, it was awesome. I can definitely I'm so unbiased there. I can absolutely understand where you and a lot of these other people uh, with thinking that maybe it wasn't the best way to go with a guy like Cooper on the board, but still pretty, pretty stoked just for, for Io's sake as well, just to be able to pick, pick by his hometown team. They asked Io about Chance the Rapper at his draft party, and he called him polite, which I think is one of the all-time great quotes. Uh, who says that about a rapper? That's just very fitting of Chance and of Io, if you know Io. I uh, did a story on him ahead of the NCAA tournament. So I talked to him on the phone for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I talked to his dad for a while on the phone, too. And he's super easy to like as a guy when you talk to him. When I saw him at the draft combine, he was the only person there wearing a suit. He wasn't going through uh, the drills or the scrimmage, I don't think, at least not on the day I saw him. But he was in a full suit talking to ESPN, and uh, I just chuckled because it was very fitting of Io's overachiever personality. Uh, I can't lie, I was pretty disappointed when the pick came in. And it's not because I think Io's a bad prospect. I think that Io... You know, it's certainly within the realm of possibility that he can be like an end of the rotation type of guard. Uh, in terms of the things he has going for him, I mean, he has good size, six foot five, uh, a relatively well rounded skill set. He's played on the ball throughout his college career. He's always been the best player on his team. And the fact of the matter is, like, the level of skill you need to play on, on the ball in the NBA is just so high. I don't think he has like the burst as a ball handler or the passing vision or sort of like the downhill scoring threat to be able to do it at the NBA level. Um, But I do think there's a chance that he can sort of transition into more of an off the ball role if he improves his three point shot. Uh, He's pretty long. He should be decent defensively. I think that's going to be an area where he's really going to have to focus. Whereas previously he's been carrying like such a big offensive load. He's going to have to, sort of change his game from a star to a role player. And I think, you know, it's totally possible that, like, he can take Ryan Archie Diakono's minutes and be pretty decent. But I was disappointed because I felt like there were much higher upside picks on the board. Uh, not just Sharif Cooper, but I guess we'll start with him. I mean, the Bulls have such a major hole for creation, and Sharif averaged 20 points and 8 assists as a freshman at Auburn. He was the only freshman in the last 30 years to average those numbers besides for Trey Young. Uh, Obviously, he's small. He can't shoot very well from three. Uh, Defensively, he should be really poor, but his creation upside is just so immense. He has great vision, incredible touch as a passer. Uh, One of the best alley-oop throwers I've ever seen in my life. He threw four alley-oops in his first game back after a nearly three-month suspension where he couldn't even practice with the team. So Cooper, who I also did a story on this week, is he just filled such a big need for the Bulls as a potential primary creator. And that's one of the toughest things to find in basketball. When you get a shot at that guy, number 38 overall, I think you got to take a swing at that. So that was disappointing. I also would have loved Jared Butler, who I had as a top 20 player overall. I thought he was the best player on Baylor this year. He was the most outstanding player at the NCAA tournament. Of course, his teammate, Davion Mitchell, goes number nine to the Sacramento Kings tonight in what I thought was one of the more head-scratching picks of the first round. But Butler would have been a terrific pick, too, at that spot. A little bit more of a classic point guard, 
great pull-up shooter, had a heart condition, and just got cleared late in the process. So maybe the medicals didn't check out there. But, I mean, Butler, if there was no health concern, uh, you know, I, I didn't factor that into my evaluation of him, and I had him as a top 20 pick. So I thought Jared Butler would have been great for the Bulls, too, and filled a need. So I don't want to hate on Io. It's just that I thought there were better options on the board. I'll also name Joel Ayaye, who I had as a top 30 player, uh, Gonzaga guard. He ended up going undrafted, actually, and signing with the Lakers uh, is a two-way guy. So, yeah, I think Io's all right, dude. Like, I want to root for him. I don't want to come in with a super negative reaction. But in the moment, I have to say that I was disappointed at the Bulls, just first of all, I was disappointed at the pick, and I was just disappointed at the overall philosophy behind the pick. That's what I sort of found to be a bummer. And uh, Bulls got a lot of work to do, man. They badly need a talent upgrade more than anything else. They're not really in a position where they should be drafting for to hopefully get a guy who can like fill the tenth man roster spot cheaply. Like, they should be in a position where they're swinging for fucking upside because they don't have much talent on the team right now. And so to see them, like, make a safe pick on a guy who could be an end-of-bench guy versus, like, all right, let's take the munchkin creator who's just literally a magician with the ball in his hands, and maybe we can teach him how to shoot. And we just saw Trey Young dominate the playoffs. And, uh, you know, Chris Paul have a great, amazing playoff run at 36 years old. It's crazy. But at the same time, like... All these other teams passed on Cooper, too. So there's clearly a huge disconnect between what the amateur analysts like myself think and what the teams think. Like, Davion Mitchell going over Jared Butler is a pretty good example of that, Uh, especially there being like a 40-pick difference between where those two players went. And then Josh Primo going 12 is just totally insane. Like... That was just a wild. Dude. And that was, he was I, I saw him mocked. I know like nothing about him. He was mocked for like late first, like if that, right? Primo. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was mocked late first. Uh, he's super young. He's he started the year at Alabama last year at seventeen years old. He is a really good athlete, and he hit thirty eight percent of his threes this year. So I mean, there are some, I guess, relatively encouraging signs. But like, he just looked very lost. I thought. I saw him play up close at the Combine, and he looked totally overwhelmed on the floor, was not even close to the best player on the floor. So to see him be a lottery pick was totally shocking. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I'm feeling right now, Jay. Yeah, I mean, I guess well, you obviously have kind of gone over this, but Greg just asked here just pros and cons between Io, Sharif. I mean, obviously, the yeah. big, but Sharif's playmaking, the creation – the upside definitely more than Io. Was Sharif what played? He played what was it? Twelve college games, or so, and he put up huge numbers. Is that right? I know it was like a yeah, So he only had twelve college games. And what happened with Sharif is that his dad is an agent, right? And Sharif's older sister is Taya Cooper. She was formerly like, uh, well, so right now she's on the Los Angeles Sparks, so the WNBA. But she was like a big time high school recruit. She played at a bunch of colleges. So she's like five years older than Sharif. She became a WNBA pro and the dad became an agent when she became a pro. So they ended up partnering with Young Money, which is like a Lil Wayne agency starter. (laughs) And I think I don't have this like officially on the record, but I think like everyone's best guess is sort of that. 
the NCAA was just investigating the connection between the dad's agency and Sharif when he went to Auburn. So he gets victim to this totally bullshit and bogus NCAA investigation that keeps him off the court for 72 days. He couldn't even practice with the team. And then, like, the day of the game or, you know, the night before, late night before the game, they tell him he's eligible to play against Alabama, which was, like, you know, one of the best teams in the country this year, led by Josh Primo, of course. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he just totally crushed it in his first game, had a great 12-game stint, and then hurt his ankle, shut it down. Auburn had taken a tournament ban for their role in the FBI investigation three years ago. So he had basically all this bullshit out of his control. And he didn't shoot the ball well. He is very tiny, but, I mean, just incredible. Like, his level of playmaking is very reminiscent of Trey. And, of course, uh, Cooper ends up going to the Atlanta Hawks later in the second round of this yeah. draft. So, not, I'm not saying he's going to be like Trey. And, obviously, Trey's shooting ability just, like, totally ch- – the fact that defenses need to respect that shot, it totally changes the way that he's defended as a player. But – uh yeah, basically, Cooper was the upside pick, as Jason correctly framed it. And Io, to me, seems like a safe pick. And I think it's kind of bullshit because the Bulls <laughs> are swinging for upside because they don't have any talent on this roster. They need a massive talent infusion. And instead, they got a guy in Io who, just in my opinion, like I could see him sticking around the league and providing plus value at the number 38 overall pick. And that's totally fine, and that's you know, better than you can do most years with the number 38 pick, right? Yeah. But I'm just like, man, the philosophy is just a little bit of a... I mean, do you think this is, like, a thing where it's, like, the Bulls want to make the playoffs this year? They think, like, maybe Io can, like, help them. And then there's the hope that, like, down the road that there could be some development into something decent. I mean, I certainly... I mean, even as a big Illinois guy, I never thought Io would be, like, a star NBA player. Uh, so like, I guess like where I, I thought he'd maybe go late first round because that's where everybody was mocking him. But like the fact that he did fall a little bit, not that surprising. I mean, I know watching him all the time, like he obviously had some issues against, I mean, he does, just doesn't have like that high level, like creation, like you said, like against like good defenders as well. And like he worries about li- that in the NBA. So like, I certainly have no like inclinations that he's going to be some like star out of nowhere. I mean, here's the thing about Io. Here's the thing about Io. What is his NBA skill? Right. He's not athletic. He is not a particularly good shooter, despite shooting 39% this year. He's not a dynamic live dribble passer. He's not known for his defense or his rebounding. So it's like, what? what's his one NBA skill? Now, I guess the argument you could make in his favor is that he's relatively competent in each of those areas while having an NBA body for an off guard. Yeah. So you could say that he doesn't have any like glaring holes, but he also is not definitively skilled enough to be an NBA player in any one area of his game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always going to be an upside guy, right? Upside baby all day. That's what it's all about. Upside potential. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, thank you for that reference to the sports blog. I started when I was 18 years old, but, uh, it is just a little disappointing. And it'll be okay, though. I think Io could still be, he could still be cool, right? Like, he'll probably hit a buzzer beater in the preseason or in the <laughs> summer league. He's totally summer league, baby. Summer he's league. a summer league legend. He's totally hitting a summer league buzzer beater. Mark that shit down. So, yeah, I mean, I really liked Io talking to him. It's like, it's really hard not to like him. 
he is an infectious personality. He'll be like sort of a low maintenance, high character guy who can ideally guard one through three, right? And maybe you develop a shot off the ball and he can give you some secondary playmaking. Uh, I can talk myself into it, but at the end of the day, dude, there's just not enough upside in the pick when there were more tantalizing options with higher ceilings on the board. This is like very similar to what the Cubs just did in the baseball draft, drafting another soft tosser, you know, a guy who can't break 93 on the radar gun, just low upside, you know? I was say, like, I mean, I think you mentioned it. I've seen other people mention it, that it is kind of like Garpax-esque where you like, you take the hometown guy to like, I don't even want to say sell tickets. I mean, I don't think IO is going to be, I mean, maybe he would, maybe IO would help sell some tickets. I don't fucking know. Uh, like the hometown guy, safer pick, high character dude, like that. I mean, that definitely does see like scream like Garpax pick for sure. Uh, well, it's yeah. like signing Jabari Parker and right. bring back Dwayne Wade. So yeah, and it's just like low upside. Like Garpax would much rather have drafted a guy they knew could just be like a Kirk Heinrich level player and be on the team for 13 years. So they wouldn't have to find any more players. They would just have like, you know, a decent guy instead of, you know, going for, going for glory, going for some upside. So yeah, that's, uh, I mean, if IO becomes the Bulls new Kirk Heinrich, I'd be, I'd be, Absolutely fine with that is the number thirty <laughs> pick, but you know what I mean. He's just like he'll be a culture guy. Yeah, you know, give give him Archie Diakono's minutes right now. I don't care. Diak- yeah. Archie Diakono played yeah. way was, minutes last year. Yeah, I think K- Casey wrote in his his like recent mailbag like, oh, like or maybe a column like, you know, Archie's probably going to have his three million dollar team option, uh, whatever declined uh, for what cap space, whatever the hell they want to do, decline that. But then they could like bring him back. On like a minimum, like no, just get someone else in there, please. Like all whatever, like Archie Dockano, like whatever. He, the fact that he made, got a con- that contract and like kind of made it in the NBA it was like good for him. I've commended him for that, but just like get somebody else in there to at least have something different, maybe some type of upside there. Like for love of God, please, please, no more Arch, <laughs> poor, poor guy. He's, he's a great uh, bench like. Bench uh, celebrator. We do have another question here from Rio. Does this pick? Does this pick make Kobe expendable now? I, I would say certainly not. I mean, I don't think a second round pick should ever really make anybody expendable. Uh, there was a quick Kobe White update uh, from AK today that he's doing great. His, of course, they're going to say that. Uh, and his in his recovery from his, I think that was been a torn labrum. He had surgery, but I mean, in general, like, yeah, I don't think this makes Kobe expendable right now. At least, I mean, maybe if Io comes in and kills it maybe they, if they add a couple if they add Lonzo Ball or something or they add another point guard they add another couple point guards uh maybe like I would say this would probably make Sato maybe depending again depending on what else they do I still think Sato should probably be somewhere else like nice bench player but uh he's, ta- he's gonna be making 10 million once his contract gets guaranteed I don't think they'll actually waive it like I feel like they'd like to trade him if anything you could probably get something at least of some value uh for Sato but I feel like he should be somewhere else like Again, nice bench guy. Uh, I feel like he's just another one. I I'd like to see it, just someone else in his spot. Uh, just too many times, like if when he'd be playing in crunch time, where he would just be bad. And again, nice bench guy. I feel like you could probably do better. Try just try something else in that spot. What are your thoughts on? I guess Kobe and Sato now. Uh, and, and I guess I was gonna say with Lonzo, 
Uh, Shams did say again, he mentioned the Bulls, Raptors, and Celtics as teams uh, to go after Lonzo in free agency. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls better get Lonzo, right? Like, I need something to get me excited about the Bulls. And really, the Bulls need two starters going into next season, right? Like, they have their power forward and center in Patrick Williams and Vucevic, and they have Levine at the two. So they need a point guard, and they need a small forward. And the Bulls prioritize building out that five-man starting lineup over anything else. I think, you know, like, of course I would like to bring Tice back as backup center. Tice is really awesome, and they could potentially, like, not even come close to finding a better player than him with that salary slot, especially because they have his bird rights. But, like, you really just need to procure your five go-to five-man lineup before you start la- locking in, like, your backup center and stuff who can't really play power forward, doesn't give you much lineup versatility. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to do. I was thinking yesterday, you know, get Lonzo and maybe someone like Alec Burks or Josh Richardson could be good buy-low wing options. Uh, they're probably going to have to do something like that. They should really get two of those guys. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to speculate on what they could do in the offseason because their avenues for improvement have been well-documented, are relatively limited. Karnaschovas has surprised us with, you know, the stuff he's done up to this point. But, uh, yeah, this draft, let's say, it didn't really make me excited for the offseason. <laughs> Like, the process behind the draft pick was like, all right, now I'm getting very antsy. Like, Karnaschovic, show me you don't suck, dude. Like, do one good thing since you've been here. Because to this point, there's nothing we can, like, definitively say, like, that was definitely good. The Vucevic trade does not definitely look good at this point because they missed the playing tournament. Patrick Williams pick, I like him, of course, but it doesn't definitively look good because someone like Tyrese Halliburton, you know, had a better year. Uh so I'm very antsy to see what Karnaschovas is going to do. I want to be positive. I want to think this is a completely new era. But, uh, you know, the just the process behind their moves, and specifically this draft pick, have just been disappointing. Kevin, I know you feel the same way. Have at it. Get your rant off. Uh, I don't even have the energy to do a rant. I'm just sad. <laughs> I was like this. I was so excited and anxious for Sharif to fall to us. I I was even like scrambling trying to figure out like how could they maybe move up to make sure that they got Sharif. And then he fell right to us and I was like all they have to do is all they have to do is not fuck it up and instead they went with A A or I O I O I guess is how you say his name. And it's just it feels like Garpack shit and I, you know, we're starting to build up a body of work with AK and, and Eversley, and uh, it's not good. It's mostly not good. Uh, last offseason, they did they did jack shit to make the roster better. They brought back Denzel. They signed Temple, which, they, yeah, I guess that was fine. Uh, but, you know, every we, we all knew that that roster was trash, and you're a talent evaluator in the NBA. You don't know that that roster is trash and needs turning over. Uh, and then, so we have to sit through a half a season of evaluation and then, then we do the Vucevic deal and we pay a dollar fifty on the dollar to get Vooch and, 
you know, the Patrick Williams draft pick. I like Pat, but that was definitely a reach, and he was definitely not better than several guys as a rookie that were drafted after him. And, uh, yeah, this pick just doesn't feel great. It, it feels like Garpack shit. And uh, I, I don't see a lot of avenues to massively improving the team. Um, and Zach and Vooch by themselves are not enough to get this team into the playoffs, I don't think, uh, given how hard so many teams are pushing to uh, to do that. And now with Cade Cunningham and uh, Evan Mobley in our division. So I don't, I don't feel great. <laughs> yeah, Uh for sure, totally understandable. Yeah, the division stuff. Like the Cavs are pretty interesting. Uh, we'll see about the Pistons. I mean, Cades obviously should be a pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, we even going back to the lottery when that happened. It's like, well, those that's like that's pretty rough for the Bulls for those two teams in their division. Uh, looking at some some comments here as well. Like we have uh, about let's see from Corey talked about Lonzo Ball just isn't a pick and roll half court player. That's something we've definitely talked about. Lonzo is not really a traditional point guard. I believe Ricky likes to call him like a connecting piece. So like he's definitely like not the total answer at point guard. I do think he'd be an upgrade though because I mean he's better a better playmaker than Kobe. I, there were some co- comments in Kobe out here as well, just like uh, in terms of like where he's going in his career. Uh, who know? Like I said, who with the Kobe thing is unfortunate. We see the setbacks. He's been up and down. I'm not really sure what we can count on him anymore. Uh, uh, not anymore, but I'm not really sure we can count on him just in general. We, who knows when he's going to be back? Uh, from Colin here talking about Daniel Tice as the starting four. This, the Tice Vucevic combo was not very good last year. I feel like Tice is probably better as a backup five. It is interesting I, in terms of bringing back Tice. I think uh, that that the Hornets were one of the teams mentioned as a possible suitor for him, and they just traded for one of the Plumleys. So I wonder if that takes him out of the running. So I'm not totally sure if they'll like still go after him. Who else might be interested? Uh, there haven't been really that many. No. So I'm very curious about. Like uh, Tice is good, Thad is good, but last year having so much of your talent concentrated right. in the front court yeah. really hurt the team. Yeah, I agree. So I love that. I love Tice, but you need to set a five man lineup, and then your bench needs to be meant to give you lineup flexibility. At least if you're building for the playoffs, which, I mean, Jesus, if they're trying to win, if they're trading multiple future picks for a 31-year-old center, you better be trying to win at a somewhat significant level and, like, build a team that could potentially win a playoff series. So on this point, then, this is something else we talked about. With Pascal Siakam being allegedly very available, what are your thoughts on trying to go? I mean, and we're talking about Patrick Williams here. Would you trade Patrick Williams? Yeah, I don't know. It's my two cents on that are it's too late for me to think about that after <laughs> working all night and writing five thousand words of draft grade. So I don't know. Like, yeah, that would be a good move. Get Pascal Siakam. Uh, I like Pat, but I don't know. Like, the Bulls kind of went all in. They got to get guys to fit their timeline. Pat doesn't fit the Zach and Vooch timeline. Probably. I like Pat though. So it's it's tough. I mean, you know, you can you can talk yourself into it either way, but I don't know. Are the Raptors just going to give away Siakam for Patrick Williams? They could probably get a better trade offer from someone else. Well, I'm assuming. I guess I don't really know. The Raptors just did. They took what? Who? Scotty Barnes. I mean, team up Scotty Barnes and Patrick Williams, right? Uh, I, I guess I don't even know what like they're looking for for Siakam. It seems like there's just 
some issues there with like him and just like the fran- like the coaching staff and the franchise in general. So I am curious like what they are looking for. Like obviously the Bulls would have to include more than just I mean it'd probably be Pat like one one of their future picks or at least one of them and then maybe somebody else as well. I mean you got to match salaries too obviously, but I mean if we're just talking about like looking for quick fix ways to like get to make to have if you're trying to match up with Vooch and Levine and get them to win. I mean, I feel like Siakam is at least one of the reasonable options. It's just a matter of, like, do you cash in Pat on somebody like that? I mean, Siakam's really good. Uh, I think he'd probably be a great fit as, like, that third guy uh, with Zach and Vooch. Uh, a great that, like, fit with Zach, Vooch, and Sharif. That'd be a nasty foursome right there. That's No, I'm, I'm joking, but uh, we'll see. I mean, is Patrick Williams going to get traded this offseason? That would be a major, major move. He's their biggest chip that they have. Uh, I would definitely be open to it. I'm totally open to the idea of trading Patrick Williams for a veteran player. Um, I'm skeptical how high of a return he could bring you. I sort of doubt he could even get you Jeremy Grant, let alone Pascal Siakam. Maybe I'm totally wrong. I don't really know how the league values some of these guys, uh, judging by the way the draft went tonight. But... Uh, what what do you think, Evs? Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say I don't think that Pat like. I mean, I don't think he has no trade value, but you got to think that like he has worse trade value than he did, you know, uh, a year ago at this time when he had just been drafted because he didn't have a good rookie season. Like the most you could say for his rookie season was that like he showed flashes and he showed up for every game, and like that's not nothing. Like being able to to start and play 70-some-odd games um, in a season as a 19-year-old rookie is, you know, not nothing. But, like, he was bad this year. Like, the fact that they had to start him was a big pro- part of the problem with uh, the roster, frankly. And, you know, that's not really his fault. But um, I just, in terms of evaluating what you could really realistically get for him, like, he's not by himself going to be enough to get somebody like Pascal Siakam. And I don't even really love Pascal Siakam, to be honest. Like, I think that if you add Pascal to Zach and Vooch, like you still have a pretty big creation problem because you have a bunch of secondary creators and no primary creators. Um, but I mean, that's probably going to be the case no matter what the Bulls do this off season, unless like, unless they get somebody like, I don't know, Mike Conley or Kyle Lowry, but it doesn't seem like they're actually in the running for either of those two guys. Um, it seems like it's Alonzo or Bust. And, uh, you know, they've got some – if the Raptors and, and Celtics are both actually pursuing Lonzo, like why would he come here instead of to two teams that have been better run than the Bulls uh, for, you know, the last decade? I don't know. Yeah. Real. Fire away. You're up. What's up? What's, What's up, up, guys? It's I'm just sitting back and I'm just thinking as you know, as we're you know, I'm listening to you guys talking. It's it's crazy to me that Garp Pax left this organization, man, in such a way that nobody really wants much of what we have, or <laughs> that they'll they'll just wait you out until the the guys become free agents or restricted free agents and they'll just, you know, make an offer that, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to match or whatever. I, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me 
how how bad they left this organization in, in such a way. Rio, that is the smartest thing anyone said on this podcast the entire time. Thank you for raising that point. It was something I was thinking about all day. The ghost of Garpax lingers over this organization. When you just whiff on like your last eight or nine draft first round draft picks in a row after making the Jimmy Butler pick, uh, it just left them very asset poor. And all these guys who they meant to build around in the future, whether it's Miritich or Portis or Valentine, then Lowry, and all these guys who are supposed to be cornerstone pieces for them left the franchise without returning any sort of value when they did it. So uh, the team is very, they were in a, in a basically an impossible situation for Karnaschovas. His easy route would have been to trade Levine and get a first round, get a bunch of first rounders, tear it all the way down, and you know put his own imprint on the team through the draft. He didn't want to do that. I'm sort of thankful he didn't want to do that because sitting through a rebuild sucks. But because of the, as you mentioned, because Garpax left the team in such a poor position, uh, you know he's he's been a little compromised at the start of his tenure. Certainly. Now I do think that like. You can't make a ton of excuses for him because there's definitely some opportunities that I feel like the Bulls have left the table. But uh, you're absolutely right that Garpax left the team in a bad spot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Question here about what we're just talking about, these young players. Are those guys guys bad, or is it just Billy not able to figure out how to use them? Uh, I would not blame Billy for really probably any of those guys. I mean, Wendell, we know his his problems. I mean, he went to the Magic, and he did decently well. Like, we know he had some of his issues just... Uh, like, just like confidence issues. Like, I don't know if that's on Billy Lowry was, has just been, just has been stagnant since his career started. He's been through three coaches stagnant through basically the entire way. He had the flashes. He had some great months, but other just terrible months, injury stuff like, and then Kobe is obviously in his second year. Didn't really show that much development either. I mean, maybe you, maybe you can argue that Billy throwing him in the fire, right like this year was not the way to do it but like i don't know if i can really like blame him on any of those guys like not developing it i mean lowry definitely not i mean like i said he really hasn't if anything he had like his best seasons past year shooting wise it's just like he doesn't do anything else but he's never really done anything else like wendell had the same pro has had the same problems came in the league and kind of kobe has too it's just like so the development just really hasn't been there but like i don't know if i can really put that on billy at least yet uh, like I said, I don't think Billy's like a great, like an incredible coach or something, but 
Uh, I mean, we did talk about the Kobe stuff and like, did we think he threw him into the fire too fast? I mean, maybe you could argue that, but uh, the other, like Wendell and Lowry, I can't put on him. I'm interested in knowing uh, you guys' opinion. My my thing with Lowry and even Wendell is that I I believe that the Bulls tried to make them more than what they were. I, I think if you if you put Lowry on a team such as like the Warriors, you know, with uh, a Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond, where he kind of goes under the radar and he's yeah. not expected to be the man, right. he'd excel. Him, him, and Wendell, I, I you know, and the, the Bulls just didn't have that kind of of talent to, you know, uh, let him operate that way. They they tried to make him the man, and I, I don't think that Lowry was ever that type of player. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the problem is, I mean, you draft these guys high and you're, like, putting pressure on them and you're expecting them to be these cornerstones, but it turns out they're probably better as fourth or fifth starters or bench guys, for sure. Well, and this goes back to my point that I've been complaining about throughout this podcast is that they have no creation ability. So they don't have someone who can, like, beat you off the dribble and make high-level passes. They've lacked that pure point guard since they traded Butler because, you know, Butler was good at that. Butler was their creator and we saw the extent of his talent when he dragged the heat to the finals last year they haven't had a guy who's if they just haven't had any like super high upside raw talent and then beyond that they haven't had a creator a pure point guard someone to set the table yeah Lowry and Wendell are not going to create their own shot someone's got to create a shot for them and get them the ball in a position to score and the Bulls haven't had that type of player on the roster. So I think, once again, you're absolutely correct in that the Bulls just put him in a tough position, you know? Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, since the Jimmy trade, like, the Bulls did a really dumb thing with their picks post-Jimmy because you need that creator to... Um, make any other players that you get look good. And so until they had that guy, and Zach didn't become that guy really until like the last year and a half or so. Um, and so, and even still, Zach He's still like, like not naturally that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's like, Zach's more of a self-creator and he can do that at volume, but like doesn't make anything really easier for his teammates that much. Um, but like they just whiffed on, they, they, they played it safe. Like, Wendell seemed like a safe pick. Uh, Lowry at the time seemed like a safe pick. But it's like those guys are dependent players. And it, like that wasn't like a mystery um, at draft time. Like Lowry was not a, a passer, a guy that created for other people. He was a scorer and that was really it. Uh, Wendell was like a defender and like a dribble handoff guy. Maybe you could see him becoming that. But that's, that's not like a creator, hub of your offense guy. And Kobe, I mean, Kobe never ran an offense in college. He just ran up and down the court <laughs> and beat everybody to, from one end of the court to the other because he was faster than everybody in college. Like, he, he doesn't have uh, – and he has tunnel vision. Like, he, he's a bucket and that's it. And, uh, you know, I just – and but he seemed like a safe pick again because it was like, you know, good program, you know, good measurables, you know – decent statistics, all these things, but like 
there were guys after each one of those guys that were drafted that had more of that juice. Maybe not Lowry, but like even Lowry, Zach Collins, I mean, not Zach Collins, uh, John Collins was taken after him and is just a much better player. Um, and I mean, you could do that for like literally every draft pick, but it's just like a lack of like shooting for upside. Um, and uh, it's been so many years of it, just adding yeah. every year after year, you met, you get, you draft high. And again, you don't get someone that turns out to be really, really fucking good. And this is where you're left with like these, yeah. I, I, all these guys could probably go somewhere else. Maybe. I mean, and they're even like, they're not awful on the bulls, but like when you have just so much, like just, they're just guys. Uh, it just like, and you, and you don't have those, the high, the high level guys. And it's a, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I th- that, where do you guys think that we, that we go if, if we're going to play Patrick at his natural position of four, where, where do we go to get a, a quality three? Yeah. Uh, who do you go after? Big time question. I threw out Alec Burks. Like, they're not going to have a lot of money if they go get Lonzo. Or what they could do is get Lonzo and just play him at the three and then get another guard, run a three-guard lineup. Uh, you get a big guard. But, yeah, you're probably – it looks like they're putting – well, we don't know. It's It sure seems like they're prioritizing Lonzo. So if he's if they do end up getting him, they're going to have to try to get – a cheap starting wing option. If they don't get him, then like maybe you're looking at a place where you're like prioritizing the wing and then trying to find a bargain guard. So, what do you guys think? Jason? I mean, I guess you, this is where you also like hope maybe like Lowry sign trade gets you something uh, that you can't really count on that, given he's a restricted free agent. But like, I would think maybe that is what they're hoping to do. Try to work out something with him. You match up salaries somewhere else. Maybe something like that. I mean, I know there's been like the Dejunte Murray stuff. Uh, like who know? I, I I mean, the Spurs can go just go sign Lowry out if they want. I'm pretty sure they're gonna have like a ton of cap space. So like, I don't really know why they do that. Uh, yeah. Comment in here from why is everyone forget about Troy Brown Jr. We have talked about Troy Brown, but like if he's your starting three, that's probably not good. If you're trying to win, like I like Troy Brown as like a bench wing. Yeah, uh, you're start not as your starting three. Uh, so yeah, like it, it, like they will have to get creative. Like I mean, like you said, it's it's basically, I guess if they use cap space, I mean then they have like the room exception. If they somehow got Lonzo or whatever in a sign and trade, uh, then they would have the mid level to go with somebody else. Like other wings out there. Like I'd have to look again at the wings out there. I mean, you mentioned Burks, Josh uh, is another guy I was thinking. Josh Richardson. Oh yeah, Richardson. Yeah, he's under contract with the Mavs. I think they want to trade him. I don't know if he's, he's a free agent or not. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, Kelly Oubre, but I'm sure he wants to get paid. He's kind of weird. Oubre is like also an incredibly dumb player. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was gonna say terrible basketball IQ. <laughs> like, you yeah, would up. I mean, how he, sexy the team is, which is important. I mean, we've already got Zach. Zach is uh, Zach's pretty handsome, but uh, <laughs> you know, I don't. Uh, yeah, Kelly Oubre is. That's the thing is like, I think the league in general is kind of suffering from a lack of really good wings or like even just like competent wings, which is why like teams that are stacked with them, like the Hawks, are at such an advantage. Like even like they have some wings that aren't like great, but they just have so many of them that 
they have one for every situation it seems like um and uh they just went and got another one tonight with uh, uh Jalen Johnson and um yeah i just i don't know i the bulls just seem content to not take home run swings ever and i just think that like when it comes to draft strategy like you're almost better off swinging and missing than you are hitting these singles uh especially if you don't have the guy on your team yet because it's just like all of your guys that you're getting singles and doubles with are going to look way worse if they don't have the guy to like set the table for them you know like and that's why i just like i don't know the maybe sharif is nothing maybe sharif's like not an nba player uh but like if he hits he's a star level like passer creator guy you can't keep him out of the paint and it's just like i don't know just have like a little bit of fucking imagination and <laughs> like take a swing i don't know tory has been pushing pat will hard here i mean i guess you could argue that pat will was kind of a swing was uh because he definitely was very raw uh so like you hope that he can develop this his potential so we'll see uh, obviously last year's draft was kind of weird they, i mean the you could probably argue like Halliburton probably would have been the safer pick last year. And obviously Halliburton was better than Pat as Ricky and maybe he ends up better. Uh, so I think you could probably argue that Pat was at least a swing. It, well, he is still super young. Uh, so I guess we'll see on him. Uh, obviously, we do have to be patient. Uh, in terms of the point guard stuff, uh, back to that. Let's imagine, I saw someone bring up Jalen Brunson. And I want to mention, laugh at that because Casey Johnson's been pushing Jalen Brunson in like every article. I know he's a Chicago guy. You could bring have a more Chicago guys with him and Io there, I guess. Uh, I did want to go back. I want to finish up here real quick because it is like almost 2 a.m. here and I want to go to sleep. Uh, just a comment here from uh, ZW Martin. With about, about the Vooch trade, and he just said, did the Bulls maybe pull off the let's be trade a year early with an incomplete team? Can you see that being phase one? When you give up these picks, how do you fill those gaps with that great trade assets? Obviously a great question. I think you probably could argue that they maybe, maybe rushed into that trade. Like, I loved it when they made it, that they took that swing. Uh, but I think you could probably argue it. I mean, the Bulls weren't very good last year. I do think that they thought, like, you know, like, Zach's coming up on free agency. Our team just kind of sucks here. Our young core is not very good, so let's just kind of cash in some of this now. And get try to get Zach a good running mate. So I think I, I get why they did it. I was excited when they did it. I think looking back now, they did probably give up too much. You give up two picks. You also have to take on the Aminu contract, which I'm not really sure why they had to do that. Uh, so like I think you can argue that it was that maybe they did rush into that, uh, especially in hindsight. I, they definitely made that trade to make the playoffs or the play in whatever play in playoffs whatever the, the hell you want to say. Uh, and they and that failed to, for several reasons. I mean Zach got COVID weird injury stuff but like now like i mean there's no excuses they have to make the playoffs next year otherwise like that's huge failure uh and but and there's i mean there's plenty of other good teams in the east so there's gonna be competition there yeah but maybe the wizards are gonna be knocked down a peg now that they don't have russell westbrook what a trade tonight how have we not mentioned yeah no yeah lakers unbelievable uh, I don't want to go too much longer because I'm pretty tired. So I don't know, Jason, if you want to wrap this up or if you guys want to have any more final comments. But uh, I think, you know, the outlook for the Bulls heading into this offseason is they need pretty significant improvement. I think they need two starters just to have a really good crack at the playing tournament. They probably need two starters, which sounds crazy, but 
you know, I guess we'll, they didn't practice at all last year, obviously didn't get a full training camp or anything like that, barely practiced with Vooch and Zach. They didn't spend a lot of time together when they were both fully healthy. They should be a really good foundational inside-outside pack for the team. But the team just needs more talent, man. I think they need two starters. And that's sort of my takeaway, that with so many other teams around the league going for it, it's like the opposite of baseball, where in baseball, like, the White Sox are benefiting because their whole division sucks. Bulls, when they try to, like, level up cash and assets, like, everyone else is trying to win, too. So they're just sort of stuck in a tough position where, like, their best just might not be good enough. Uh, hopefully they get Lonzo. That'd be fun. And hopefully AK can swing a trade or something for a wing and we can get ourselves optimistic about the team heading into next season. But I'm kind of just like, let's see it. I don't, we do this podcast every week talking about the same stuff. And it's just like the team hasn't given us too much reason to believe in their vision at this point. So I got, I got an open mind though. I got an open mind. So let's see. Yeah. Rio, you got any final thoughts here? We'll let you get something else in there before we wrap up. I do. Uh, I was. I wanted to ask you guys what What do you think about Simonovic? Is he going to play the oh, yeah. four or backup center behind Booch, or how's that going to work? And what do you uh, expect out of the guy? I mean, from what I can tell, it seems like he'll probably just be a backup four or five stretch big man. Uh, and I mean, I, I have no expectations for him. Euro guy coming over. Uh, it sounds like he'll he will come over for this year. And I mean, hopefully he plays. I guess just the hope is that he can be a rotation guy. I've, I really will have no expectations. Uh, I had such high hopes for for Miritich, and he was. I mean, he was a decent player for sure. But like, uh, we were expecting so much more. So like, I got yeah. I got really like no like actual hopes there. I hope he's rotation guy, backup four or five, either one, whatever. Uh, and that's basically it. I mean, I don't think Kevin. I don't know if you know anything more about him or what, but no, hold on, He's Kevin. No, I no, I don't really know too much about him other than what you said. I mean, basically, I think John on the last episode mentioned that he's basically he's not quite as lights out a shooter coming into the league as what Lowry looked like he was going to be. But I mean, Lowry didn't turn out to be as good of a shooter as he was supposed to be, but. Um, but he said he's a better rebounder, which I which I like. He's got a little bit more nasty to him, which I like because Lowry is uh, maybe. I mean, Lowry is like the stereotype of like the soft Euro big man, which is mostly fake and and just something that xenophobes say. But uh, in Lowry's case, it's true. Plays really soft. Um, so Simonovic having a little bit of nasty in his game would be nice to see. But other than that, I, I mean, I don't know too much about him. Um, but. Uh, hopefully he's okay, uh, but I, I mean, counting on a second round pick uh, to to be a legit rotation guy for you is generally not wise. Yeah, Corey. All right, we'll give you a chance here. You've you've been we've been kind of negative here. We'll let you uh, be positive. Man, it's crazy, man. This is my first time on here. Y'all tough. <laughs> I I just wanted to say, like, man, we y'all holding y'all holding Aiken, uh, Mark Eversley. To guard packs and like they've been they've been here for a year, like one year. Billy Donovan had no chance, no uh off season. Uh, Patrick Williams had no off season. Kobe White, unfortunately, he got injured. And then you got to look; they had bad coaching before that. Like so, let's just <laughs> give them a chance. Let's give them a chance, and then we can see Zach and Vooch they develop they pick and roll together, and Pat Williams getting he working out with uh 
Thadjik Johnson. Come on, man. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta like, come on, man. Let's just give him a year. Let's, I ain't telling, and also, I wanted to make a point with the uh, Wendell thing. Um, I don't know why they didn't trade him at the beginning of the year. I understand, like, they wanted to evaluate his talent, but um, I think everybody saw his confidence was terrible. So, <laughs> I would say for sure, that's one thing I agree with Kevin on was like we should have just got rid of him and Laurie when we had the chance because I think we paid more for Vooch because we waited so long to get rid of him. Yeah, I think that is uh honestly fair points. And like in terms of us being like negative, I, I have been kind of, I think more optimistic. I and I obviously I don't really dislike the AO IO pick either. But like I still I I think the points about like them not having I mean, last offseason was weird. Patrick Williams didn't have a normal like camp or whatever no, no normal summer league and all that stuff coming into the year Vooch and Zach did not really get that much time together uh like normal time they didn't have much practice time I do think there are some points to that and I do think they should be better uh with more of that time hopefully uh, I mean I know like if you look at like the lineup data I feel like it was just like not very good with those two together and I think once they get that chemistry they should be hopefully a little better hopefully they do make some other moves I think there I think there is some reason to be patient there I do understand as well the points about like I mean in, in the NBA when things move so fast like you don't really necessarily have the luxury of always being p- that patient and especially now with Vucha whatever he's 30 31 Zach coming up on free agency like giving him like all this time like you don't it's it's hard to do that uh, I do think we need to see what happens in free agency uh, hopefully they do make some big moves and add to the roster because we know they need more talent uh like I said, no excuses next season. Uh, I mean, it's it's time to win some games, and they're not going to be a championship team, but they need to be compete for the playoffs. Uh, and it's that's the bottom line. Because if they don't, I mean, that's going to be a huge failure. And then I think it's it then definitely is totally fair to wonder what the hell these guys are doing. So, so yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I got. Ricky, Kevin, are you guys done here? I feel like we should definitely wrap up. Yeah, wrap it up. Awesome. Uh, thank you to everybody for the comments. Uh, for you guys coming up to speak always love when we get this type of participation obviously on nba draft night not the craziest night for the bulls but uh nba draft night is always fun and we got free agency coming up i think starting on monday i believe is the start of the moratorium when deals can start being made obviously we know teams are talking to guys right now all that tampering stuff is going on but uh so coming up we got the drafts in a couple of the, or the free agency in a couple of days and again hopefully the bulls will make some moves uh and we'll be here to talk about it here in cash considerations so Thanks again for everyone for listening. We uh, shout out as always to the Blue Wire Network with the NBA offseason now getting in full swing. Please go check out all the other great pods as well. Uh, there'll be tons of great NBA coverage all across the Blue Wire Network. For us here at Cash, uh, this pod uh, will hopefully be up on our feed overnight here. Uh, our last one that we did here got lost in the ether of the of, of Spotify Green Room. So hopefully this one recorded well. Uh, and for us here at Cash, me and Ricky, you know where to find us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky's at, SB, at SBN underscore Ricky. And go check out all of Ricky's great draft coverage. He's been working his ass off leading up to this draft and all day today. Please go check out all his stuff. He did. I'm pretty sure he's got an IO piece out there. I know he'd, he's been pimping his Sharif Cooper stuff as well. He's got tons of great stuff. So hey, I got go check out all of Ricky's work. I got a 2022 mock draft dropping yeah. tomorrow. 2022 mock draft coming tomorrow. Uh, like I said, Ricky has done so much awesome work, and uh, let's keep it going now here with uh, free agency coming up. So once again, take it all easy, take it easy, guys, and thank you again for listening and participating. Have a good one.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.